Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode in this week of the Heathens podcast. Uh, this is, you know, Heathen Corey. Um, it's just me this week. Uh, Heathen Melvin had some uh, family stuff going on. I'm going to leave it up to him on whether he wants to, you know, share that with the rest of you guys with our next episode, which will hope- hopefully be... Uh, about uh, dealing with racism as it relates to church abuse. Um, Well, first things first, I just want to pray for Melvin. I'm going to keep this kind of broad because I said it's not my story to tell, but I do believe in practicing what you preach. And if somebody needs prayer, then I said on a couple episodes ago that you you should send it to them. So, Father God, Please be with Melvin and his family right now. They're they're dealing with uh, something that a lot of us maybe can relate to. I can't. But it's definitely something that causes a lot of pain. So just please be with him and his wife and his children and everyone affected. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So this this week, since it's me by myself, I'm going to continue the uh, church abuse series. But I want to talk specifically to leaders and to to pastors because you know we've kind of hit on the topics of you know what does church abuse look like and how does it manifest itself. But we haven't really gotten to why it happens and why these people that we are called that are called to be pastors and, you know, they, they might come out of Bible college, bright eyed and bushy tailed, getting ready to come out and save the world. And then they get into these positions and they just end up looking down on, on everybody. And after a while, you know, they kind of harden their hearts and they start, they start spouting off hateful stuff, and then they're calling it, you know, being principled. I was just reading, uh, the book is called Unwanted. It's by Megan Phillips, Phelps Roper. Uh, she is a woman that was raised in the Westboro Baptist Church. And she, she grew up and she, uh, you know, she protested soldiers' funerals. She did everything and it was it was normal to her and it was normal to the point where whenever they came up with a they had a lot of conflict they actually were further cemented in their beliefs and they actually got more hateful and the leader at the time which is her grandpa on her dad's side really just pushed it back that you know well god if you speak the truth, then people don't like it, and people want to stop you from speaking the truth. So that galvanized their hate, and it's really fascinating to me. And we could down the line, maybe we'll do a whole episode on the Westboro Baptist Church and everything. But let's talk about leadership, and you know, maybe we could use the leader of the Westboro Baptist Church here and there in some examples. The first thing that I want to do is define leadership by itself. You know, there are a lot of definitions out there and there are a lot of speakers out there 
you know, I just got done with my master's program. I think we went through 20 to 25 different speakers and they've all got fantastic thoughts and books and all sorts of stuff. But when you look at everybody's definition of leadership, it really kind of comes down to influence because leadership is not in a title. Leadership is something that you live out each day. It's a part of your being. You know, there. I was listening to Brene Brown on her podcast and she was saying how she's been in boardrooms where there's no leaders and she's been on factory floors surrounded by leaders. So people get into these uh, leadership positions and then they believe that because they have title and rank that they can do whatever it is that they want, especially pastors. You know, a pastor is a position that could be really exalted in some churches. And, you know, before Melvin and I did this podcast, I I listened to a lot of stories of church hurt and looked back over my, my own experiences and issues with church hurt and... I found a bit of a bit of a connection and now some some church hurt was political some was racial some was this and that but every church abuse story that I heard of and that I ended up looking up there was always one pastor that was put above everybody else and like that does something to a man that does something to a woman when you are given the title and then you are given basically free reign you know we've we've seen it in in the bible and you know honestly to a certain degree we've seen it across the US you know across american history people will get into positions of power and they'll lose their mind. If you look at the French Revolution and you look at Maximilian Robespierre, this is one of my favorite people in history because I love dark history, but Maximilian Robespierre was kind of the galvanizing thing for the storming of the Bastille and he ended up becoming judge, jury, and executioner. And at first he had really you know, really noble, noble ideas. If if you read, um, if you read his writings, you know, he was really big about getting corruption and stuff out of the government, and galvanizing the, the citizenship and the citizenry to you know go and overtake their leaders. And there were thousands upon thousands killed in the French Revolution by guillotine solely because of this one man. But you look at how he how he actually died and how he died is because although he was nicknamed the incorruptible he got into this into this position and started becoming corrupt to the point where his followers turned on him and rightfully put him in the guillotine he died by the same tool that yeah, you know, propelled him to, to start him in the first place. 
Now, I'm not saying that some of these evil pastors, you know, should have their their heads chopped off or anything, but I do think that they're in a lot of the really bad churches, Jesus stops being the center, and this one person's clout and their values and beliefs, biblical or unbiblical, become the identity of the church. You start seeing things like having political leaders come and, and hold rallies telling you to, to vote for them because the other side is the devil. You have them trying to trying to put in politics in what are supposed to be sermons about life change. And honestly the, the, the role the role of a pastor you know, they're they're meant to be leaders, but first and foremost they're meant to serve. Pastors are not meant to just show up on Sunday, give a speech, and then go home and turn their phone off for the rest of the week and write the next sermon. Matthew twenty three eleven mentions that the greatest among you must be a servant. So how these stories of church abuse, you know, come up, you look at them, and you realize that the leader of whatever church they were in, or whatever church group they were in, stopped following biblical principles and started following their own principles. They they began to, to rule by fear instead of faith. They began to use a lot of fire and brimstone sermons to try and scare the populace into what it is that they believe and and historically this is a very effective tool and it's sad but honestly if i was a new believer and i went into a church and you know they started reading revelations i would be frightened into you know okay don't don't let that come down let me just let me just believe and and you know that that way that way none of that bad stuff has to happen to me. And what's sad about that is, is yeah, sure, you, you might get some believers, but you're not going to get driven believers. You're going to get fearful believers. And when you get fearful believers, that hurts the overall gospel. Then you start turning into the Pharisees that Jesus ran into in his day. You start creating fearful disciples that instead of preaching that they are that people that aren't loved by God people that don't believe you start preaching that they're going to hell and you start being one of these people you know I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan Melvin likes sports too I think I could speak for him when I say that there have been times where we would be coming out of you know, any sports game and over on the corner, there's a, there's some guy with a nice big sign that says the end is near and they're yelling through a megaphone about you're going to hell and you're going to hell and you're going to hell. And they're reading random parts of Leviticus and they're reading about, you know, parts of acts where people were, you know, talk about turning and everything else. And, that that 
turns a lot of non-Christians off, and rightly, rightfully so. I'm a Christian, and it turns, it turns me completely out of the faith. You know, I have had, there have been times in my own faith journey where I've seen somebody like that, and I've seen pictures of the Westboro Baptist Church, and I go, do I really want to be included in that? Do I really want to be a part of that? And that was part of my my hurdle in, in my own faith journey. Do I do I really want to witness for God in that way by doing nothing but going out and saying, you're going to hell and you're going to hell and you're going to hell. And then I started reading the Bible for myself. And they're wrong. And the reason why they're wrong is because they ignore about 90% of the commands of Jesus, even the biggest one, which he practically underlined right behind, you know, put God first is love your neighbor. That's in there. And I know that I might get some people that go, well, you know, loving your neighbor also means being strict with them and pointing out their sins. Yes, but there's a difference between going up to somebody you don't know calling them calling them names and telling them that that they're going to hell and maybe getting to know why that they're that way maybe that maybe that they have something in their path you know people get militant because these ignorant leaders stop following biblical principles and they start putting in their own ideas because we are deeply flawed individuals we are not perfect, and if anybody says they're perfect, that in itself is not perfection. It's, it's, it's ultimate hubris. And when, when we recognize that, we need growth. And when people are put into a position of leadership, whether it's corporate or as a pastor or even as a you know a facebook admin if you are put into some position with a title all of your all of your flaws will be magnified and if you don't believe me just check the news cycle if biden misspeaks at something there's about 15 different articles that say well oh he's he's not not in the right frame of mind he's he's this he's that and honestly, you look at what he said, and it's it's a pretty common thing to, to mispronounce it. But the point is, when you get into those positions and your flaws are magnified, you, as a pastor, need to stick to biblical principles, and you need to stick to evolving and following the example of Jesus because Jesus did not go around everywhere and tell people that they were going to hell. If you notice, a lot of times when Jesus helps somebody, and I am going to try and find the Samaritan story to kind of point this out because 
a lot of times when he goes and he tries to help somebody, he usually gives them a chance. And let's see here. And what he what he runs into when he runs into the woman at the well, uh, specifically, he doesn't automatically say, you know, you there, you are a hoe. You are, he does not turn into Steve Carell from The Office, for those of you that have seen the show. He gives them a chance to repent. And he gives them, and he listens to them. Most importantly. And then because he's God, he gives forgiveness. Now as a pastor and you know, leader and just people in general. Maybe when, when we see somebody doing something wrong or something that we don't you know, necessarily agree with. Maybe instead of putting out our flag and you know putting them down and saying well we're better than you and and you're a misogynistic racist racist polytheist i don't even know people have so many isms now i can't keep up anymore but maybe instead of that you have a conversation because you know you are not god you do not know everybody and what they've been through you do not know their background. That person that you know you you want to call a slut. Maybe maybe their their mom didn't want them. Maybe they were put into foster care. Maybe they had an abusive father, and they don't see their own self worth. There is so there is so much that we miss and so many people that we don't get to call brothers and brothers and sisters in Christ because we're so focused on look God look look they're sitting over there they're sinning I'm going to tell them to stop that we miss the fact that we are called as Christians to be the hands and feet of God, not his police force. We are called to listen to people. I don't think that there's a better story than this than Gandhi himself. You know, Gandhi was intrigued by Christianity, and you could look look all this up. And, you know, he came to the United States and toured churches and everybody... Everybody treated him and he got back to India and he put out a statement. He's talking about, you know, how he, he, he was really considering converting to Christianity. And he put out a statement that basically said something like, I went to the place where it's, where it's most prevalent. And it seems to me that these people do not actually follow the God that they love so much. It was some quote like that. And then Gandhi swore off Christianity. And me. I'm into sports. 
I'm really big into sports, and if my team misses on a big free agent, I'm mad about it. So in my jaded mind, I look at that and say, wow, we could have had Gandhi on the team of Christianity? Wow. And it, it just it just stuns me. And when we look at recently, um, there's another example about how when you're a bad leader as a pastor and your principles get in the way of God's principles and you take that to your congregation and they take it out into the world, it mostly manifests itself as hate. I would invite you, if you live near Washington, D.C., you could do this pretty easily. If you don't live near D.C., this might be available online. I haven't checked. Or plan a trip to D.C. Go to the National Archives. Right now they have a big, um, at least when I went in October, they had a nice big exhibit about the women's suffrage movement. And nowadays we, we think about it and we we say, well, yeah, of course women should have the right to vote. They're the same as men. You know, even... Even God, you know, in, in in the Bible, you know, we could think of Ruth and all these other awesome female characters that, you know, we know and love. Of course they should have the chance to vote. Who would be against that? Well, you go to the National Archives and you start looking around and they have sections where you could see the pro-suffrage you know, writings and paperworks and pamphlets and event flyers and all that. And it's it's all very, very powerful. But then you go to the people that were against it. And a lot of the people that were against it, they had an organization and they put Christian in the name. And they start writing things and picketing that, well, it's not God's will for, for women to vote. If it wasn't God's will for women to vote, why would he have such such big female characters in the Bible? Why would we have all of these wonderful heroes that we could look at if it wasn't God's plan for, for women to vote? If it was God's plan for women to just you know, sit at home and, and cook and clean and not have careers and everything. Why is it that in the Bible verse where it talks about wives submitting to their husbands, why is it that this God-breathed book also has husbands submit to their wives? Why is it that when Eve was created in Genesis 2 or 3, why is it when she's created, she's called a helper because it's not good for man to be alone? If women are meant, were, if it was God's plan for women to be submissive to male dominance, then why, why does God spend so much time up, uplifting women in the Bible? It doesn't make any sense. And... I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a two prong approach about how to actually counteract this, and then I'm gonna finish up with something that'll lead into the next episode on racism, 
and then that'll be it. So the first part to counteract this is directly to to pastors and leaders that might be might be hearing this and you say, well, you know, how do I make sure that I I'm still following God's principles and well, that's that's pretty simple to me. And that's just to not only stay in the word of God and make sure to make sure that you're giving yourself that one day of rest that we're called to in the commandments. That's extremely important for this. But also recognize that God does not belong in a political party. God does not put one race above the other. God does not, you know, pick favorites when it comes to issues on humanity. If you're a pastor, anything that you hear out in the wild, put it against put it against God's word. But also continue hearing stories and hearing the plight of others. If you have somebody in your congregation that's pro Black Lives Matter, do not tell them all lives matter. Listen to them. Listen to why they're so passionate about this. Listen to the stories. And the other the other thing about this is Proverbs mentions to never be wise in our own sight. So if you're a pastor or leader and you want to remain a man of God and you want to do everything that you can to properly spread the gospel and save your community, don't be wise in your own sight and always stay learning. There are a lot of of you know great biblical teachers out there. There's a lot of books and studies and you know, listen to your congregation. Talk to them. Serve them. Just be there for them. Make sure that you're in God's word and you're hearing what he wants to tell you and what he wants to use you and what people are actually going through as opposed to what CNN or Fox News tells you. CNN and Fox News will fade away, but the Word of God remains, and it has. The Bible itself is older than both of those, both of those networks by thousands of years, and it's still relevant today. Why would you take the word of these cable news programs that are meant to cause a reaction over the actual Word of God? Now my second my second uh, group about how to counteract it is just believers like me. And it's partially the same and partially didn't. Different. The first thing that I would say is try and stay in the Word as, as much as you possibly can. When you're in the Word, you'll notice if you pick up a Joel Osteen book. And you read a couple of the chapters. There is a lot taken out of context. There are there are people in not just Joel Osteen's camp, but every televangelist camp that have fired principled people on their staff because the principled people want to tell people the truth instead of fluffy positivity. 
So if you are a follower of Jesus or you're looking to become one, Bible first. The second is be, be picky. Be picky about what churches that you attend. You know, because there are there are a lot of fantastic churches out there and they need people. If you walk into three different churches, you'll you'll hear three different styles of teaching hopefully the same book. Be picky. There are a lot a lot of churches out there. And if you go into one sermon and it sounds like instead of being at the feet of God, if it sounds like it should have been at the Republican National Convention or the Democratic National Convention or the, I forget the name of that white supremacist conference that people were talking about this past week. But if it feels off to you in any way, leave. Those people do not deserve your time, your tithe, or your money. Get out. Too many people stay with bad leaders because they think that there's no other place to go. And bad leaders are very good at putting together this us versus them mentality when it comes to Christianity. And there is a little a, a point in time where you are going to have to stand for your beliefs and and you will be challenged. But if we if we're more defensive about our faith rather than offensive in showing the love that we're called to show then there's no spread of the gospel there's no saving never forget the power of the written word and i want to i want to close and i want to talk about something that my church did when the uh, BLM stuff and the and the George Floyd protests went really, really big in 2020. You know, obviously everybody, a lot of organizations and stuff, they did the the black uh, profile picture on on social media. That was that was everywhere. My church did one, and my church is I think it's the second or third largest in the nation. It's called CCV Christ Church of the Valley. And they put up the black uh, profile pic. And you could see in the comments, how dare you, CCV? You know, it's more than just black lies that matter. It's all lies, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm leaving this church. I can't believe that this place is so racist and everything. And instead of caving to peer pressure, CCV invited people of their staff of color and our our head pastor Ashley Wooldridge sat down with them on a big live stream that went out to millions and asked them to talk about their experiences and why they're treated differently by the co- by the color of their skin that did so much in favor 
in, in God's eyes. Now, because you know, I'm pro BLM, you know, my my mom's in law enforcement, you know, so I'm I guess I'm in the middle, but I don't hate the Black Lives Matter movement because it's really showed a lot of injustices and if you want to learn more about those, well, our next episode, we should have uh, the host of the I Was in a Cult podcast, Freddie Collins, and we're going to try to have a uh, a pastor by the name of Robert Holiday on with, with Melvin and I to talk about racism in the church. So please look up for that. Thank you for listening to me ramble for the past 30, 30 something minutes. I, uh, I hope it made sense. If you haven't already, please follow us on, on, uh, Twitter at the heathens podcast. If you're looking for us on Facebook, it's the quotations, heathens and quotations podcast on, you know, we'll try to put this up there and try to introduce some more discussion points and everything like that. And as always, just please listen to other people before judgment because you might be the difference in somebody being saved versus not. Thank you so much for listening.